0: Welcome to No Compromises, a peek into the mind of two old web devs who have seen some things. This is Joel. And this is Aaron. So developers often have this urge to automate things. Mm -hmm. We do something manually one time, and our first thought is, I should script that. I should automate that.
1: Yeah, there, there's a danger in that, though. So I, I've seen it happen, and actually, I, I'm guilty of doing that a couple times too, where you see a task and you go, "Man, this is such an annoying or painful task that um, I don't want to do it by hand again. That's for sure." Um, so you go and start to write a, a script or you know automate it, um, and, and like I said, there's a danger in that, whereas. there's a a couple different points why we don't want to necessarily reach for that right away. First, we may never actually do that task again. Are you (laughs) sure that we want to do that task again, right? Uh, Another one might be um, it changes. So just because you had to do it this way the first time doesn't necessarily mean the next time you're gonna do it. And by automating it, you might be kind of putting yourself in a little box that I have to do it this certain way now moving forward.
0: Yeah. And I, I think um, it is a good impulse to have, but like you said, to maybe rein it in a little bit to make sure it, it's the right time to do it. Um, at the same token, I know you'd agree with me on this, you don't want to just like completely one-off something and never know how to do it again. So um, documenting the process, mm-hmm. right? Probably a good first step before automating it. Um, and then you have a path if you need to automate it later or if somebody other than you needs to do it manually another time.
1: Yeah, I think I think automation, you can almost look at as a form of refactoring. So the first run through is doing it maybe by hand and writing some documentation. And then if you follow the documentation again a second time, tweak that, because I know I've always written documentation 100% correct each time, <laughs> the initial time, never mistake. Story checks out. <laughs> um, but I think that you know if you do it two or three times, it's almost like code refactoring. When you're copying and pasting something two or three times, now it's time to see if I can make that easier, better, faster, any way that you want to do it. See what
0: you did there. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, and, and what, have, I mean, what do you think about like, the trade-off too between the time it takes to automate something Versus how long it takes to do it manually, and the frequency with which you do it. Like, like if you spent a whole week trying to figure out how to automate some task that took you takes you five minutes to do, and you do it once, twice a, once year, a quarter, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, so that is that's that's probably part of how you right. weigh that a little bit too.
1: Yeah, sometimes you just have to be a little bit more disciplined too as a programmer because you know it's really annoying. You know, once a quarter to have to do this task, but it's really not worth it for the business for me to spend a whole week's worth of programming so I don't have to do that again. Yeah. Sometimes you just have to do it, you know, just suck it up a little bit.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, the example I gave was kind of a, a exaggerated example, but sometimes it can be a little harder to determine like what the, what the right trade-off is, but keeping that in mind. Also, I mean, like automation isn't maintenance free either. Um, especially if you're like automating something with like an upstream provider like AWS or I know your favorite is Azure um, <laughs> <laughs> that uh, you know, like their API changes. And so you're going to go automate your, your that task or run that automation again. And now it doesn't work or it works differently than you expect. So if you were just clicking a checkbox or doing a manual process that, that would, you wouldn't bump into that in the same way.
1: Well, it depends on the type of automation too. So mm. it can be really easy just to, You know, reach for a bash script and write something versus going and and installing Ansible and and doing a whole process. Um, But it's more likely that something like Ansible would stay current with the changes versus your bash script. You're the only one working on that and you're the only one kind of, you know, assigning that functionality. Well, now that brings up a a good point, too. I've worked with uh, some clients before where I jumped in and I, I learned what their Server structure was, and I immediately reach for something like uh, Ansible or something like that to start provisioning stuff from scratch or Docker file, uh, anything like that. And, and so, there's a difference between automating tasks and automating infrastructure. I think mm. that's that's important to understand because you don't necessarily need to set up like a new Docker container by hand each time if you understand the automation process. the The difference there is in the configuration, not necessarily the process. Yeah. I think what we're talking about here is more so like unique individual processes that don't already have some form of tooling available to them. Okay.
0: Yeah. I think that's, that's a good distinction. Yeah, for sure.
1: There is kind of one caveat to, you know, like all rules are like, you know, Hey, it's, it's hundred percent except for this one sort of thing, you know? Um, and I, I think that has to do with, uh, data management. So, uh, there there's, I know there's been many, many times when someone said, "If you just tweak this little thing in the MySQL database, um, everything is fixed," or "If you just add one or two more rows." And I, I reach for MySQL Workbench or Table Plus or something like that. I'm just like, "Oh man, it's gonna be three minutes, and I'm done, <laughs> and I can go, I can go, you know, have a nice weekend." Uh, but instead, uh, when we look at stuff like that, we have to remember that we want to, we want to have like an audit uh, background. Um, we want to know why this data changed because you know, it's not great practice to be editing that data by hand. So that's one specific scenario where you might do some sort of automation, whether it's data migration or a, a one-time script console script of some sort in your, mm-hmm. in your chosen framework or, or language or something that we can version control. Even if we delete it right after we still have in the history of our, our version control, then what someone did that was out of the norm yep. to modify that data.
0: Yeah, that, that is a good point. I, I can, I'm, t- I'm that guy who would just be like, let's just do it in three minutes. Or uh, Aaron, I know um, you love it when, when somebody fires up Tinker in production oh. because they don't even want to do it in my SQL workbench, but it's like, Oh, I have all these relationships and stuff and I can just, I can do a one liner in Tinker. Because no one's
1: ever made a typo or made a mistake no. in production, especially Never. with Tinker. So
0: <laughs> definitely not. So yeah, that's, that's a good point. And um And sometimes too, like if you do something as a one-off and then you need to do it again, now well, now you have that script. I mean, just a recent example, you know, we had one of our clients that had to mass cancel events, never a feature they needed before. Mm -hmm. Um, I could have just gone in there because they said, well, let's cancel the next two weeks. I could have just manually done that, but I wrote a, 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 a command so I could do it from Artisan to do it by day. And so now when it extended from two to three to four to five and beyond that many weeks, it, the, the command was there and could easily run it and in the future if it became a feature we could just take that command and, and make that accessible from the UI or refactor that in a different way so yeah that's a good point
1: it wasn't even it wasn't even wasted work it's yeah. possible that we might use that in the future
0: Yeah, for sure all right well I'm gonna go automate
1: everything now so yeah can you go automate the upload process for this podcast that'd be <laughs> great all right There are things that they told us as a kid that I really thought was going to be true or really part of our life that just are false. I wanted to see if you uh, have any of those on top of your mind. For example, things that um, I did not know until I became an adult, camels' humps aren't full of water. Mm. I just assumed that you know if they're in a desert, that's where they put their water. That if you eat an apple seed, somehow something grows inside of you. That you you were afraid of that? <laughs> well, I think it was threatened, or, or okay. like the gum. Like if you swallow your gum, oh, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Uh, it'll be there for seven years. I guess a lot of mine has to do with eating, being a, a hefty <laughs> fellow, um, or uh, uh, the one thing that I think probably people have thought about a lot uh, as adults, and turns out it's just not something you know that's a big deal. Is the amount of quicksand that's around? Mm-hmm. I remember being a child and just being very much afraid of quicksand, and. Uh, I have yet to run into any quicksand in my life, so I blame Looney Tunes. What about you? Are you um, is there anything that from childhood kind of you realize is no longer true? I thought the gum thing was true,
0: so I guess um, there's some that that <laughs> <laughs> I'm just becoming aware of right now. Hmm. Um. Yeah, that the the one about you're not supposed to look at the sun or it'll burn your eyes. Total lie. Eye. You can stare at the sun as long as you want.
1: I don't think that's true. Okay,
0: (laughs) do we need some sort of uh, um, legal disclaimer along with this episode? Um, No, I nothing is coming coming to mind for me. My parents would never have lied to me. How dare you
1: suggest (laughs) that? Yeah, I mean Santa Claus. I mean that's kind of weird, you know. Someone who's always watching you. You know, like it's cool. It's cool if Santa Claus does it, but if I do it, it's a crime, right? Yeah, exactly.
0: My parents didn't tell me about Santa Claus. I don't celebrate Christmas. Oh, yeah. Okay. So see, I, I think what we, what's happening here is our family backgrounds are are coming out as dirty laundry for everybody. But.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, if you uh, know something that maybe was true as a kid to you and it's no longer true, uh, find us on social and let us know. Do you struggle with knowing what to automate or making sure automation gives you a nice return on your time investment? We can help.
0: Get in touch for a free consultation at our website, nocompromises.io.